So welcome to another episode of the Red Review Podcast. Hi, Jeremy. Hello, mate. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good. You know, it's the weekend. Yeah. Why not? Back into our weekly podcast reporting. So, um, although, because I was a bit late pushing, well, somehow the the last episode got stuck in the ether. I, I pressed publish, but it hadn't published on Anchor for some reason. We, uh, these two will come out in very quick succession, but in theory, we um, uh, we're now recording. We're now recording weekly. Um, so, how's how's the week been? Been busy? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. So, you know, still Morgan sindling away as I as I work through my, my three months notice. So, two and a bit months still to go of making sure I leave a decent legacy, and there's some good stuff. Uh, there's, there's particularly a big win that my business unit that I work with have had, uh, which I didn't actually influence that much, but it's just, it's a lovely thing that they've got another anchor project that will see them through. Nice piece of work. So, you know, that will be announced, I'm sure, on their social, etc. And I've done had some nice work with some of my other clients that have carried on with me. So I did, did a half day workshop on their value proposition and messaging for uh, a little um, QS firm I work with called Aquila um, with their advisory bunch on Tuesday, which is really good fun, actually. Lovely, great, great energy. It was interesting doing these things by Zoom or Teams. You're never quite sure if it's going to quite have the same as being in the room with a whiteboard or whatever, but that actually worked, worked really well. I had sort of a PowerPoint open, shared screens and did post-it notes and all that sort of stuff. So that was cool. Nice. Um, yeah, and I had a good session with my um, scaffolder mate, Steve, who owns SM Scaffolding, about uh, his market and strategy and not really bidding stuff, to be honest. It was more about contracts and um, staff retention and you know furloughing and all that sort yeah. of stuff. But he's, he's actually in a really good place and has got some good clients who have looked after him. So they've stopped. They're not currently working. Um but it's about where do we get his next strategic client or two from and how do we land and expand his client base. So, yeah, that's, that's it's been good fun. And, you know, lots of other chats and things going on. Um, so, yeah, not too bad. How about you? Busy, mate. Really, really busy. Like, probably, because I, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up and I'll start work at seven when it's quiet and I'll finish by like 4.35 so I can get the evening with Kate. What's actually happened is I'm now starting work at 7 and probably sending my last email or WhatsApp message about work probably about 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Um, so I need some coaching probably from um, someone who um, works from home as to how I can break that um, break that cycle because I'm a bit addicted to work as we've probably talked about before. Um, yeah. And I'm really busy, and there's a lot more demands on me at the moment within the business. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not bothered by it. I'm quite enjoying it in reality, um, but it, it probably isn't sustainable long term. So I'm just being very careful as to um, what I focus on, and it, and it has meant a little bit that some people who've asked for help haven't got the help they probably wanted. Um, mm. But that's 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 kind of life as any one of me so i have to be uh focused on where i can make the most effort especially in times like this you know you've got to be absolutely on the nose with what you're doing if you're going to make a real difference in a crisis like this so yeah it's been it's been busy all sorts of shenanigans and um bits and bobs 
stuff going on globally as well which is a bit of a challenge so from one pitch going on in hong kong through to another one in peru so the time zones aren't exactly fantastic well the peruvian one is being run by the uk and i haven't really done much on it yet but um yeah it's it's certainly um busy 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 so um did you am i right in thinking you did your online training now you've done your online yes. training yeah that was a week ago wasn't it 17th of april uh, so yeah, that was a, a webinar version of um, my foundation uh, training. Uh, so had a good, we had a few dropouts with bids landing, interestingly. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, people will rebook or, or whatnot, but we still had a decent cohort of uh, eight people, I think. And how did um, it go? No, it went, it, I think it went really well. Um, I had uh, Jack Strickland, my mate, um, who isn't doing anything at the moment because he's between jobs, bless him. Uh, he'd, he'd gone for a job and then obviously it's been delayed in Amsterdam, actually, excitingly enough, on data and stuff. Um, but uh, so I asked him if he wouldn't mind sitting in on it and auditing it because obviously anyone can dial in, can't they? It's sort of the beauty of this. Uh, I'm, I'm even thinking about um having sort of special guests drop in to do a bit with us uh when we're that'd be good courses i might i might obviously ask you to do that from one of them but um it'd be great to get you know other superstars like yourself to to drop in because you sort of can in this digital space can't you um yeah. Uh, yeah but you know jack is a is a really fucking hard taskmaster uh which is why he was such a great uh person for me to work with uh, with me being all over the place as i am but um he's sent an email a very long email through of uh, feedback and things that i need to consider which is great in terms of that uh continuous improvement because obviously i've been teaching the same course now for 18 months or whatever it is and you, you've got to continually move forward it was quite funny because obviously my content i have uh, videos uh of you know top tips from top bidding people around the world uh so i've got a guy in san francisco i've got someone in canada i've got nielsen i was meant to do one of those wasn't i yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. sorry mate no it's all right you're busy dude uh but there is one of jack and it was quite funny he went to the toilet and missed his own video (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah anecdotally some good feedback i've sent out a feedback survey Uh, i just haven't looked at the results yet um but um yeah no good so you know managed to sustain their attention all the way through as opposed to when i'm sort of in the room dancing around or or whatnot and you know exchange some good stories and managed to get the exercises to work online uh pretty much i think it's probably a little bit of fettling to do so yeah good it was good overall and good practice for more of it to come really that's really positive yeah i can mm. see a lot more of that going forward can't you you know this next the next year to two years do you want to go sit in a room with random people you don't know in closed quarters for a day um i yeah, can see a lot, of tra- a lot of businesses saying well from a risk perspective find client meetings if you have to go but actually training can you do it online can you do it remotely can we avoid exposing the business and exposing you to 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 that risk i don't know i think it'd be interesting yeah. to see how it grows going forward we're having, mean, chat, we... we're having a chat on friday about kind of the future of the there was a, a workshop about 70 people on a webinar and then got split off into teams one of the one of the comments was well actually how can we now eliminate business travel so mm unless you know so rather than i need to turn up to a meeting actually 
how do we be really firm with our clients to say we are not coming to the meeting and actually for the cost of the train fare from I don't know how much the train fare from Manchester to London 300 quid on if you try if you yeah, can book, be. book in advance what can yeah. we do with all that money to put into the technology even if it's technology we have to deploy in a client's office to enable us to work remotely I think that's going to be a really interesting thing that rather than us being like we can't do virtual meetings because we're working with I don't know working with a local authority who's got IT from the 1980s still because they're a typical local authority who doesn't invest in themselves um, what can we do by saving all that money on travel what can we do to actually I don't know you turn up and there's a, a, a mace room which still has all the the screens and 3D glasses and webcams and everything else you can do virtual meetings and explore drawings it's, it's going to be really interesting as to how we change that narrative going forward yeah and I, that's really cool really I mean, we were. We, I'm quite lucky in that we were already working on stuff for later in 2020 and 21. That was all about digital anyway, because it's the the heartbeat of the business. Me dancing around in rooms all over the country in front of whiteboards isn't ever going to get me where I need to be in terms of the sort of philosophy of the business. But to be honest, it was just a really nice Friday. You know, I borrowed Jules's uh, a, a marketing mixology office on the top floor of the house. Um, you know, just wandered upstairs with you know half an hour before. I've got backup equipment and all that sort of stuff. It's just it was just quite a nice Friday to be able to just dial in and talk to people about stuff I love, really. Yeah. Um, and so why wouldn't I do more of that? So I'm gonna. I was gonna anyway. Um, and you know, get it, beam it into people's offices all around the world. Why not? So that's that's kind of the thrust of the business this year is getting the digital assets out doing more of the webinar stuff but also what's next in terms of online uh, you know what can we do about gamification or leveraging um, uh, proper learning management platforms let's see where it goes uh, but first of all you know I've, I've got to get the capture thing going uh, which has been this week's thing I guess um, and, and you know get teaching that and uh, see where that goes before I can invest in anything else I guess yeah um, well, there's a. Probably, I was going to say that there's probably a segue there as to into reviews, but there probably isn't actually. I was I was having a train of thought about how you do reviews digitally, and then um, while you were talking, then just thinking, it's probably something I need to be thinking about is how do you build a more immersive environment around reviews so that. It's, well, it's, it's do you know, actually, well, let's talk about let's bring that back up when we get into feedback and reviews because it's a really good point. You're, you're not going to be able to sit in a room with people page turning anymore or as easy no. for a while anyway so we should we should cover that cool well that's then there is there is my segue so done <laughs> um let's uh let's go on to the main chat and uh last time around we talked around um we were going to part one of this review process and now we'll go into part two of this double episode and for anyone who really notices and is on a platform where you can see the artwork you'll notice that i've even made a double episode artwork with the two artworks if you put them next to each other um tie up because i am that sad so um <laughs> <laughs> let's do it good man so mike let's uh, pick up the the string from the the last session or the last episode on uh structuring successful reviews then so so last time we talked about the different gateways that people can operate and the different types of reviews 
Um, but we wanted to have a separate episode, this one specifically about structuring reviews and, and particularly giving feedback and uh, how people should do that. So, so what, what, let's talk about structuring the reviews, first of all. So um, last time we touched on whether you have a read through in the meeting or whether you pre-read. Um, so let's just recount that and that will lead us off into some other bits, I think. So, What's so I don't, I don't think, I don't think we came up with a, a definitive answer because I think both of us have done both, mm. but definitely pre-read for me works better than people turning up, getting, being given the document and being asked to read and review and feedback in a coherent way within one meeting. And I guess as well, because my bids now are significantly larger than maybe they used to be that if we did a read through and review feedback session, we would um, be in the room for days and, yeah. and use too much time. But I think, I think what's, what's kind of interesting or kind of like a, a sub question around that is apart from the question and the answer, what else do you give your reviewers as pre-read or um, preparation work? So they come to the review prepared. Um, so I, I, t I tended to give them the storyboard as well so they can see and the ITT so they can see the ITT the storyboard and then the, then the draft that they're looking at and they should be able to see the sort of DNA develop through those three documents yeah yeah I, I would I would tend to agree so what, what we started doing um, well I've done it on one bid and then the next bid manager didn't want to do it so I kind of let them decide how they want to do it is doing an actual kind of reviewer slide deck which you send out before Ooh. which sits out um you know because because some of these bids like like I had one coming on friday that i'm going to be reviewing and there are 32 documents that have come through from the client so what we do is we kind of have a little document that says this is the overall of the bid and here's some like links to things here's the storyboards um, these are the key documents you need to read. And then even down to particular questions, if you're reviewing question A, which is about resourcing strategy, these are the particular areas of the client documents, I don't know, Appendix 7, Appendix 14, and Appendix 3, Annex 5, that specifically talk about the client's resourcing requirements. And then like even down into then, and then here's some intel we have on client organization client structure and the resource requirements and performance of the incumbent competitor so we try and like take the reviewer along a bit with like context mm, yeah. um which which i know is a double-edged sword because some people like reviewers to come in completely cold and review without being steered but we've generally found what it does is it stops people um kind of going on the hoof and just kind of saying stuff that actually isn't relevant, which then puts off the writers because they're well, like, well, you're saying that, but actually that's not what the clients asked for. Agreed. So that's, and that links back to the, what we talked about last time in the, that's the negative experience bit for people and what puts, I think, contributors, subject matter experts off of wanting to work on bids is they go and do some work like that with some direction about what the client really means or what they're looking for. And then someone just parachutes into a review and poo-poos it all because they don't know the, the context or the background. So I had there was quite a big one with a client of mine actually late last year, um, where they had a bunch of people. They 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 
made the mistake of sending out drafts to people across the business in different areas geographically, some quite senior people who just marked up copies and fired them back, but they didn't do what you're describing, which I think is a great idea, actually, is, is giving them that context. And perhaps in my world, I guess, I didn't answer the question properly before, you should probably send them the, the strategy document um, with yeah. the themes and all that stuff in as well, because they completely missed that. But And some quite senior dudes with influence in the business then got the whole bid to change tack um, and got involved in reviews and things. And actually, what they submitted their bid. They did still win, I think, because of the strength of relationship with the client um, more than their bid. But it was commented on by the client subsequently that you know we we fucking told you all this stuff and it wasn't in your bid. What what's that all about? Um, yeah, and it's because it got taken out by some you know clean reviewers coming in not knowing the context so yeah you're right that's a really great point i, th I think you've, you've it sounds like you're doing you're, you're on these really big bids you're doing a great job of giving them something bespoke that gives them everything and all the pointers in one pack but certainly on even smaller bids you should give them your strategy your capture plan or your strategy document um and your storyboards but i would always still give them a copy of the itt because in theory, you could have missed something in the ITT. Exactly, exactly. So there's always going to be a main document you want to read, but then there might be, you know, 31 extra appendices, some of which are you know, the client's travel expenses policy and some of which mm -hmm. are the specific things you need around resource grading or, you know, a, a, a document they produced on what their capacity gaps are. Um so yeah, I, I I I think you're right. The other thing that that I've done more recently, and it was kind of count combating what we talked about last time and just now, which is like the bid terrorists, is within that deck just a couple of slides on what makes a good reviewer and what makes a bad reviewer. Um, because it's quite ob you know it's obvious right how to give feedback, but it kind of isn't, and. What, so what we do is okay, but this is what useful feedback looks like and sort of set out some examples and here's what um feedback that isn't useful looks like and it's like just writing the word how just writing the word rewrite you know <laughs> those kind of things because yeah um it's fair enough sometimes just saying well how how can you explain more about how we would do this might be okay feedback but these are subject matter experts that are or senior staff that are reviewing so actually i'm looking to say can you say we do you know you need to say how we do this so i suggest you say something along the lines of because that's why i'm looking for them to because i'm looking for them to improve the answer not just critique the answer and i think that's the difference i think that's some, what some people miss and we try and reinforce now to our review teams is your job is to improve the answer not just critique it yeah, and then there is a difference between the two. There is, and I, I'm thinking about it though. There's, there is something that winds me up a bit, a bit about many bid managers in our discipline that they act like victims, um, when actually we've all got the ability to be masters of our own destiny and influence the outcome that we want. And what you've described in terms of giving people a bespoke pack with the pointers and, you know, in effect, a profile of what a good re reviewer looks like is exactly that. You're helping them help you rather than you know I, I was speaking to someone very senior in a, in a absolutely humongous organization the other day 
who's got the same problems as you get in small firms that he gets people sending him stuff to review when he's just stepping on a plane to go home on a Friday afternoon at five o'clock and they yeah. want it and the bid's going in on Monday. And he was just like, what the fuck's that about? What are they expecting me to do, you know, in my two hour flight with no Wi-Fi um, to turn around their, their bid. So, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to be proactive in how you get the best out of people. Um, and yeah. you know, really steer it because that's half that's half the battle with being a bid manager there's the great project management bit um, and there's the the um, proposition salesy bit with, but within the project management bit it's not just about managing the program it's about getting great outcomes from your team and that includes those senior reviewers if not more than anyone uh, I would say yeah I um, I, th- I think that is often a um something people don't consider is allowing enough time for reviews and as an example uh, i've got two two well two bids officially and one bid that i'm going to go in and do a final kind of page review this weekend now now the bid managers have agreed with me i'll work this weekend and i will i would rather do it in a stint this weekend because i've been too busy to do it this week and i'll manage my diary accordingly to make sure i balance my time and everything else but you're right, often it's like, right, we're going to issue at midday and it actually comes about about four o'clock in the afternoon and they want feedback by nine o'clock the following morning. They're like, well, it can happen once or twice, but people aren't superhuman. Like they do have like families and they're not just going to work at night because they're senior um, every single time. So you're right, the bid team, I think allowing enough time people do a proper review actually again it comes back to think of what's the purpose of the review if you want really good feedback you need to give a proper amount of time for the review to happen which yeah. might mean you have to be harder with your writers and when you say in the get they had the writers have less time and it's again that balance isn't it of is it is the writing time more important is the reviewing time more important and, and often we prioritize writing over reviewing mm. Yeah, you have to defend it. And it, helpfully, actually, the in the APMP body of knowledge somewhere, they've got a table of the pace at which humans can do things in their view. I'm not quite sure what the source is behind it, but it's, it gives you some really interesting guidance on how many pages of copy people can write if it's fresh and bespoke or if it's editing, etc. But there is some there's some stats around reviewing. I haven't got my I've made the mistake of not bringing my MacBook up with me uh, to the room where I'm talking to you from, but uh, I think it's you can review 40 pages of completely bespoke copy a day or 80 pages of stuff that's got boilerplate that you're used to seeing in your business, as it were. Yeah. Um, so you know, to give people guidance of you know, your expectations, really, because if you're sending someone like 100 pages to read in uh, a couple of hours, it ain't going to happen no exactly exactly so what about then so say let's pretend you've briefed your right your reviewers you've given them proper amount of time to review um do you do you i think we talked about this last time do you, do you prefer form like feedback forms or just markups oh uh traditionally markups but i think the concept of feedback forms is interesting yeah we we started using them and maybe again, it's because it gets people away from just kind of shit markups. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a, like we talked about last time, a single document where people all mark up. But we also then have a feedback form which says, this is the marking scheme, this is the context against the marking scheme. How do you score it? So we, you know, 
any, a typical kind of public sector or major infrastructure marketing scheme? The answer, you know, what's five out of five? Excellent understanding of the client's problems supported by capability, skill, the resources you're going to deploy and the quality measures you're going to put in place. Um, evidence is detailed, demonstrating how it be applied to the project. So we can kind of break that down into, right, have, they, have we shown an understanding of the client, yes or no? Have we demonstrated capability and skill and what we're doing, yes or no? Have we demonstrated that there's, what, who's going to own this particular thing, yes or no? Have we demonstrated this kind of process and quality management behind it to deliver all that added value, yes or no? And then is the evidence detailed and showing relevance to the job or is it just someone's just put in a... You know, you know, some people are like, oh, put evidence in, just put a quote in. Just stick a random quote in out of nowhere that has no context that just says Mace is great. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it's that difference between like a, sto- a, a quote that uses um, either like the star technique or we've, I've started saying, actually, I want the Carl technique, which we can talk about another time. Context, actions taken, uh, results delivered and lessons that can be applied to the next project. Um, yeah to driving people to actually say i've done a markup and now think about my markup how would i give it a score what and what's the direction then on the markup that i need to give as like a mm. overarching feedback and what it's done is it's enabled us to reduce the time of feedback meetings because essentially what we can then do is as the high level right question one what's the general direction we need here everyone has had a chance to review it and they've given a direction on the answer is there anything you know, and what I'll generally do is have a lead reviewer who will start and say, this is my view on the answer, blah, 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 blah. And then everyone else, are you in agreement? And then if therefore, if someone doesn't agree, we can have a debate on that. And if they do agree, then you assume that all of the feedback forms are going to be saying roughly the same thing and we can move on. Um, so yeah, I, I quite like the feedback form, but it is harder as a reviewer to do markup and review. I've got to say that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, really that, interesting. Yeah. Again, we're talking now, and it's a lot of complexity because I'm very fortunate that I have a pretty outstanding bid team um, under an amazing head of bids. Well, and it's, um, it's worth it. She is amazing, isn't she? And uh, it's it's worth the investment because you're talking about big opportunities, aren't you? I mean, in, exactly. In, on smaller stuff, you know, I, I used to work with a, a partner at EC Harris years ago called Terry Povel, who was really old school, but a genuinely nice man, but really quite sort of structured um and he used to i've got one in my hand actually because my wife uses these pens in her office but uh he used to have one of those pens with four different colors uh blue green All right. black, black and red um and he used to i either underline if you had a one page of text as it were if it's a smaller bid you know those 10 10 sides yeah. of uh, one page per question as it were um he'd underline wherever there was a fe- feature in one color wherever there was a benefit in another color oh, yeah. and evidence yeah. in another color which i have I come across that. were you yes I was, i'll come across it there's, there's one of my vague competitors who does bid training not one of the atos but is out there in the world who teaches clive. part of part of their content is it yeah that's right that's right clive gordon yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so he he taught he taught me the the base method which i think it's over there which is benefits affinity solution evidence so uh, write your questions as benefit to the client affinity show that you understand their problem solution give the solution you're going to give them and then talk about the evidence that supports all those three things and you're right go through and it is quite a good tool so i i've done it before with highlighters yes um, yeah that's the other and one, you yeah. can suddenly start to see jesus all we've talked about is solution and we've not talked about the client are you affinity at all and we've not talked about benefits at all or 
you suddenly go through any missing evidence completely and color wise it starts to really pop out or there's there's um uh nose isn't it is the other option need opportunity solution evidence mm. um there's various different ways of doing it but yeah clive golden was the one who introduced me to that when i did his bid masterclass probably 10 12 years ago which yeah. which still a lot of it still rings true and i still pinch bit and that's the thing right we could talk about bid training another time i still do bid training because it keeps it fresh and you could have you pick up little things every single time which is why i'm quite excited to do your capture training because um i would hope i could take the i could read the apmp syllabus take the exam and and hopefully pass it given um my job and experience but mm. i think having someone else explain that to you in a training environment just helps you to be better so i'm, I'm quite excited for that yeah cool thank you god I, I need to remember to generate that free code for you for that do you know um, what? don't rush i ain't got any time at the moment um, <laughs> what about giving feedback then back to the writers because i've seen millions of different ways of doing it and i don't think i've yet found the perfect solution so um have you got any preference on that um so do you mean the the people in that red review how they land that with the, you know are you saying the bid writers in the room and the, how do they so, yeah, behave really how do they do that or more about so yeah, well, both yeah so to give you three scenarios of three bids i've done recently because they're with different companies and they some of them they led the process one company i work with um and sorry if anyone could hear like a knocky in the back of my dog is sitting next to me itching his massive ears because he's not being cut and he's got hair you know it's like he's got a bob cut because his ears are so, hair, ears are so big sorry I get distracted so one company does the review the red team review or, the, or the, I, think, I, think, I think they're doing the same thing did the red team review the writers aren't in the room mm. the red team agrees the feedback per section calls the bid manager in who takes the feedback and then feeds that back to the writers so yeah. you have a closed room discussion about the answer and then just tell the and then there's a single kind of and this is the direction now. And they have a red review team chair who has been trained in how to run red reviews and give suitable feedback. And that red reviewer um, captures and feeds back all of the information to the bid manager who then goes and distributes it to uh, there might be 10 writers across a section or something. So that were, I thought that was interesting because the writers then don't aren't in the room to um, discuss. They get told. Uh, and by and by writers do you mean actual professional bid writers or do you mean contributors no, I mean, like, you, you mean technical people bob jane and sandy who happened to be available at the time and probably um well this was a pqq so they were case studies so there was a team oh, in okay. the states uh a team in malaysia and and then one of the cases in the uk so um the guy then took the feedback back and then fed back to the different teams around the globe to how to change their case studies to uh, to okay. improve the second approach is that um the writers are in the room so the people who own the questions are in the room and a part of the review which i think is really good because they can hear the feedback firsthand the problem i've had is um well you've got lots of writers you then have to manage either them coming in and out for their question which makes it quite disjointed mm. especially if you don't hit your timings perfectly you know three minutes per question no more no less and secondly that they start arguing with the reviewers um, yeah. and i have had that like as people are feeding back the writer kind of 
takes offense or feels like they have to justify what they've said and you get a debate and a, an argument or a debate with the, between the writer and the reviewer as opposed to feedback and as positives and benefits so i've seen that and the third approach was that um they didn't actually give any feedback to the writers apart from the written feedback so we did all our reviews offline um sorry online on a um a joint we did a joint markup and we kind of gave an email of comments and then the writers were just sent that and told to get on with it and it was kind of almost as a rolling process rather than they weren't like hard review meetings and all three worked well but also i'm not quite sure yeah. i'm not quite sure the perfect method and i didn't know whether you what, what what do you what do you what do you tell people what's what do you think is the best way so i i think it depends on uh how what resources you've got deployed and and how you operate so it's different if you've got in those scenarios it sounds like you had technical delivery people writing sections so that's one yeah. method of delivering a bid many organizations may have a bid writer or a bid person or number of people uh, that in effect write the bids for them and they may have got an interviewed content out of some people but you know the way that Pippa Birch works for instance is she she just writes bids for people um, and she might go and interview content out of some subject matter experts but she's the she she's the person who puts pen to paper as it were um so i think it depends i think that that will be different in itself in how you deal with that but you're just dealing with where you've got subject matter experts i i actually think that having them in the room is better if you've got people displaying the right behaviors and giving them the feedback um you know if you've got someone senior who's just going to fire fucks into people basically then that's not going to do it <laughs> do anyone any good and i've been in you know there is nothing more awkward than being in a red review you know i, I had one last year with with a client where they'd got a consultant in who'd bid the consultancy equivalent of this this construction framework um and knew the client and really knew and i have to say he was really quite um uh, fantastic at reviewing bids i have to say um and every response he just literally tore it to shreds because they hadn't and they bear in mind they'd got quite an expensive bid consultant that wasn't me in the room as well um and just you know tore it a new one basically because they hadn't really tackled evidence effectively uh, they hadn't structured the responses as per the way the questions were were split out properly um and it's really you know sort of bum clenchingly awkward isn't it when it's a bloodbath really um so so there's got to be a balance struck isn't it but i i think that interaction between the reviewers who have read the response and come with proper constructive feedback and then that dialogue with the writer who explains why they've they've taken a particular tack and you know etc there's value to be had in that conversation and actually yeah. figuring it out together um, so I'd, I would rather you took more time because, again, some of this is about a lot of organisations don't take reviewing seriously. It's, you know, the, the, the meeting's really heated and there's not enough time and the pressure is, is wrong. The dynamic's not right. It's about giving yourself enough time to review these things properly and have that yeah. interaction because that's where the real value comes from. And that's what gets you the millimetres or inches, uh, you know, the, the extra one or two percent or extra marks it's actually leveraging that insight you've got in the room because why else be there otherwise so I, don't, I definitely don't agree with just firing written comments to people because that's one directional 
and they might not the writer might have a very valid point as to why they've written it in a certain way or done something yeah um, so uh, yeah I, I would personally rather there was that interaction even if it's a bit awkward um than, than not yeah i i think i think as well that when you can't get people in a room i guess that's that's my role or the big director's role is you yeah. can then go and spend some time with the writers to then kind of explain the feedback and then yeah. a, a happy i guess a happy medium that we've taken a few bits of a talk last time about my uh bid colleagues loving complexity uh is what what we started to do is group questions because we might have 20 30 questions in a bid that are sort of five pages each or something um is group the questions into kind of common themes and have a section owner that owns those questions but they might have people underneath them writing bits or writing all of particular questions. And so those section owners do take the feedback in the meeting, but then go and then, if you like, feed that back to their team. So you've got kind of mm. sub-team working, and that worked quite well because then you haven't got 32 people coming in to hear feedback. You might have four, and it works well. It's kind of, it's getting, I guess, what I'm trying to get to is getting the balance of the number of people in the meeting. I think we talked about last time, yeah. Um, and 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 being effective. I don't think I don't think there's probably a right way or wrong way. It'd be interesting to hear people's views and um, do hit us up on any social media channel or um, anything else. But well, there's, there's um, so many variables because um, it's it, you know, it depends on market size of the bids, types of personalities, whether you're using professional bid writers or not. Because uh, again, I mean, the other thing that I would avoid is having too bigger, and it sounds like you're doing this, having too big a gap between the most senior person in the room and the person they're giving feedback to in terms of um, seniority. Because uh, I've seen it, I've seen it before, I've seen it at Mace actually, where a fairly junior bid person has gone and taken feedback directly from, you know, board level or the level below, and it's not been good um and it you know that's not a nice place to be um when you've got yeah. one of the heroes of the business who you see in all the corporate videos absolutely tearing you a new one um <laughs> when you're when, you, when you're on like 30 grand or something down the bottom of the, the ladder that's that's not good either um no. so I, uh, it sounds like that sort of hierarchy approach of having a leader for a, a batch of questions that that's that's probably a sensible way to go actually because they've got the ownership they know where the writers are coming from and they, yeah. can, they can give air cover to those more junior, probably more junior people or numerous people in their team. Definitely. Definitely. Um, cool. Um, I think, I think we've, we've solved reviews. So um, from now on every single review that every listener that, of this podcast does should be fantastic. And ours, ours will be better than ever. Um, I'm really i'm running a review on tuesday so and i've got a few i've actually picked up a few things today um that i'm gonna i'm gonna have a think about um yeah that was that's really interesting actually so i i think i think we've 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 done reviews are you, are you anything else that you wanted to t touch on before we finish other than that i'm really glad that i'm not in sitting in red reviews every day anymore like i used to earlier in my career because uh, like you say it can be a bit awkward uh no no i'm happy to move on very good fantastic we have got a question of the day so yep. let's play the jingle and um we'll get into it
Right, Jeremy, question of the day comes from someone on Twitter. I can't remember who this came from. Sorry if this was your question. Um, how do you get over a big loss? Nice and clean. Um, go on then, yeah. top tips. Get pissed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm very good at that. Um, so oh, I saw this in the in the show notes in sort of in preparation. I thought, I don't know really. I, I think I, I might be different to most people in that, to be honest with you, it's kind of a job done. I'm already on another bid because with the world of bidding, the by the time the results come in, I'm probably in the middle of the next one. Um, and so I probably, I'm so focused on what I'm doing at the time, it tends to have fairly limited impact on me. Um, but that's where I've been working in uh, industries that have got, you know, six to eight week bid programs. And you literally, and you might be working on more than one bid at once, of course, as many, many big people do. Um, so but that's the funny, that's the funny thing is that the client sets you like a four to six week bid timeline to get your bid in. And then they take seven months to decide who's going to yeah. win it. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. It could have been so long since you submitted that bid. Uh, particularly in these times, but it, it sort of dim and distant history. Having said that, though, you know, I did I did lose a bid uh, when I was at EC Harris, not in a bidding role. I was I was going to be managing director of environmental health at Barnet Council or something. We were bidding against um, Capita for a massive outsourcing deal, and it was a competitive dialogue that went on for nine months. Um, and we were in Barnet Council's offices every other day for nine months with Capita in there the other day, alternatively, as it were, doing these god-awful you know, sort of inter- interchanges with the client's staff about uh, output specs and stuff. And it was just the longest, most tiresome bid I'd ever been involved in. Um, and we got absolutely thumped because Capita were just such a fucking machine on the commercials. They had such a yeah. huge competitive advantage. They'd won the other half of the council's outsourcing after we'd started bidding our half. Um, and so they picked up both halves, basically. And um, so we, prob- we probably, I wasn't involved in the bid, no bid, because this was just after, it wasn't EC Harris days, technically. Arcadis had purchased the business right at the start of the bid, and so we were, there was a bid, no bid that was done with the Netherlands, the mothership in that new group. And so I wasn't really party to that. Uh, I got sort of dragged in later on. But that, I have to say, that took some time to get over. And there, there was definitely a long evening in the pub after that one. Um, that, that I, do you know what? I, I'm life. not going to say the name. I'm not going to say the name, but I think I know who is the bid manager for Capita. So it was him, yeah. You and I know him. Yeah, so do I. It was that person. <laughs> it was it. We've, 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 spoke, we've spoken about it. Yeah, yeah. How <laughs> uh, oh, funny. Uh, but funny. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, how is. small the, the world of bidding actually is sometimes. Oh, it really is. Yeah, it's it's such a small world. The amount of times you cross paths with people in bidding and, and beyond, you know, BD and marketing and the rest of it um it's it's a it's a funny old game you have to look after your relationships um because you never know where people are going to pop up it, it, it is helpful that i'm not an arsehole um or as much as people might think i am because uh you've those friendships can come back you know 20 years later as, as, as you find you know I, I had a call with a, a guy that i worked with at arcadis the other day that i probably haven't spoken to for about five five years but 
it was nice to catch up and hear about family and all that sort of stuff. But he gave me some really useful insight for some things too, which if I'd, when we went our separate ways after Arcadis, um, could have been a, a different story. So it's, it's important to look after your relationships and, and check in with people. Yeah. It reminded me I needed to do more of that. Just a quick call, you know, now and again. Yeah, it's a good idea. Mm. So my, I, I tell you what, the, the key thing here is big loss. So a normal loss, because you can't, you don't cover and everything. Sometimes you know you're, you're, you're not necessarily going to, um, you're not 100% sure you're going to win it. But bid, but bids where this, the noises are right from the client, had some insider feedback that maybe you are on the right lines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you don't win. It takes me about 40 hours to get over it. I get, I turn to proper shit for about 40 mm. hours. Uh, um, I can imagine. Like, actually. <laughs> grumpy, um, short tempered, all the rest of it. So um, I just have to kind of, I have to be mindful of that now that when there's a loss. And quite often, as soon as the loss happens, if I'm in the office, I just take myself home. Yeah. So I take the feedback, say, right, I'm just going to go clear my head, get my thoughts together. And then what, what does help me get over it then is doing all the aftercare. So lessons learned, debriefing the team, doing the client feedback meetings, trying to find a positive out the back of it that leads on to something else, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if, for me, if I can try and find a, a benefit out of the loss, if you like, um, that kind of helps me go over it, whether that is that we've learned something eternally, we then need to apply and we can turn that into a positive learning experience or a positive change to our process. Or if I had one about 18 months ago, where we, we came, it was the appoint, appointed three, and we came fourth by 0.75%. And I could have sat there and kicked myself about, the, the, you know, you start playing the numbers, don't you? If we just done that on this question and done that on that behavioral assessment, we would have won it kind of thing. Um, or if we just put our fee down by an extra two percent, we would have been, we would have won it, kind of thing. You, you play all the numbers, and actually, we had a a re, we planned properly for a really good debrief with the client, and actually built a relationship out of it that has led on to us being better positioned for future opportunities. Um, yeah, oh, there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? There's, there's... opportunities that suit our business better than yeah. probably what we like after we win it after we didn't win it we're like well we wanted to win it and there's a reason why we're bidding it but we it wasn't actually a contract suited mace it was a new step into a new sector so i can understand where the clients come from they had three strong incumbents um who'd done a good job for five years um the client was happy we we went in as a bit of disruptor they liked the disruption but we we did we just didn't nail it enough on the client knowledge because we just hadn't done enough capture yeah um or stuff they published online so we could we could have we could have challenged it probably because they published um their stats online and we had proposed significant betterment on performance of these stats we won't say what it is we don't give the client away Mm. and it turns out actually what they were actually achieving was a lot higher they just hadn't put it on their website because they didn't want because it because they didn't want the challenge you know of like they were industry leading in this area Whereas the website suggested they were kind of mediocre, doing okay kind of stuff. So we we thought we'd nailed the answer, but we hadn't ever really tested that with the client before the bid. And yeah, this big 12 page, 10% mark kind of thing, we'd, we'd basically just 
shot themselves in the foot and, and lost it. So, yeah, taking a positive out of it for me is what what I need. But but some decompression time definitely afterwards to yeah. just let it let it roll over. I, I had one the other day that was pre bid. It was in capture um, with uh, it's a Morgan Sindel one, but a client that we'd been shaping a very large opportunity with for some time. We were a day away from submitting a paper to them, which basically loads of technical work in how they should deliver a very large project. Um, and put so, you know, the team's engineering, everyone had been putting loads of effort in, all positive noises and all that sort of stuff. And I happened to phone the client up just to see how COVID was going to affect their, we'd, we'd, we knew we'd failed to get them to negotiate the job with us. And it was unlikely that they would because it was public sector, but we thought we'd got them into a good space on which framework to use and how they were going to deliver their job. And I happened to phone the, the main guy up and he said, uh, oh, just uh, we've our program boards made a decision to use a, a particular framework. And that's that. It's a framework that Morgan Sindel aren't on. Um, uh. So we're out and we'd done all the work. They're in the final review of this paper that basically had a load of IP in it that would tell them how to build the job, which would have led on to our bid and, yada 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 so then we got into this sort of heartfelt telecon of well do we give them the document um because we're obviously not going to be building it um it was yeah we went and you go through what did you decide we gave it to them um good in the end so initially there was as you would expect and particularly with with builders there was a you know not a they can go fuck themselves but everyone was pretty sore about it um but actually we took a little we said uh, and i have to say that the area director i work with is a is a really level-headed dude he said tell you what let's talk about it tomorrow let's take take some time to think about it cool off um and then we spoke again the next day and uh, made the decision to to send it in because they it, you know it will position us one day and it's not just that with that organization but of course the client's key people will move on and go work somewhere else and you know, you get that sort of splinter effect. So, um, you know, you you still got to be good and helpful and positive and all that sort of thing to set yourself up for the future. But it that was unpleasant. I, I particularly myself, I'd put a fucking lot of work into positioning this for that, and it was game changing stuff. So that was heartbreaking. I have to say that that did take, um, you know, a few drinks and yeah. a, a weekend to cool down that one. <laughs> Um, and then I guess I, hope, the other... I, hope I was gonna say I hope you've answered the question yeah um, I mean sorry just the one last point I guess is when uh, you get the feedback and you realize you've made a mistake or someone's dropped the ball on something that's really difficult to take as well isn't it um you just have to positively as you say learn the lessons and um and move on don't you yeah yeah Cool. Right. Um, I hopefully have answered that question. Um, again, interested to hear people's views. Um, do you, uh, just a the side question. Do you still do the power bid power call thing with Vicky? Not as, not, not as much as I'd like. Uh, so I did on Friday, actually. So I would happened to just had this week and the week before lots of things that clashed with it in the diary. Uh, but I did manage to get on on Friday and there was six or eight people, I think. Um, and I've we, got, it, I've I was going to say, um, say though we should give her some of our questions and uh, I'd be interested to see when she has those panels of kind of 
of, of big yeah. people uh, what they what they think. Well, I, I ran one. Yeah, drop her a note. I I ran one for her when she was. I think it was a, a kid's birthday or something. Um, but yeah, I could I could offer to chair one and and put some of the questions in again. Uh, it's a really useful forum. It was quite funny on Friday though. We had like silly hat day. So because it's a team's call, you can see everyone. And there was a lady. I, I, I apologize, I didn't pick up her name, but she'd got like Princess Leia, Star Wars hair. Uh, nice. as, as a hat that was cool i had my my boat captain's hat that i bought on a holiday once uh, you know someone had their hard hat from a building site very good it was good fun oh, i think someone nice. shared a picture of that on linkedin i actually. have seen yeah yeah well, i saw you there with your captain's hat on yeah. um right um cool so thank you for the question um person that asked that that i can't i have not written the name down of um and keep the questions coming in on twitter and on uh, LinkedIn. Another great episode of the bag, Jeremy. If we do say so ourselves. <laughs> yeah, pat ourselves on the back. Pat ourselves on the back. back. Yeah, well done. Brilliant. First ever double episode. Yeah. We're now uh, on episode twenty-six, so we're slowly, slowly getting. Uh, a good um, repository of uh, episodes. What I might try and do is get transcripts done of them. I'm not sure how you do that kind of thing, but that might be useful for people who um, might want to go back and look at what we spoke about. Although we'd have to probably edit them a little bit to remove some of the swear Sorry. words. <laughs> I was just thinking anecdotes <laughs> and the, the bits we don't want written down. Um, so uh, we were just chatting before the the call actually that we both had a call this week from. Um, with uh, the founder of Moza, the bid, bid consultancy, Alison, um, mm. and we're comparing notes and both saying how good we thought she was. So, um, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Like the, the I, I think I said I think I put it on Twitter that I've avoided doing these kind of kind of catch up calls, virtual coffees, and everything else because a because um, just a bit busy, but b like. Um, I was sort of I was on the fence about them really, but actually, really interesting chat. And I wish I could chat longer with her, but I we already overran and um, I had a a uh, conference call I had to get onto. Um, yeah, you had a similar similar good chat with her, didn't you? Yeah, really good, uh, really good. So I mean, she she'd been to one of our breakfast events, I think, and she re- she she reminded me she'd brought along some people. That I've worked with since, and really, and really good contacts and things. And we we share a lot of sort of friends and and even clients or, or prospects. Um, so just business to business, it was interesting. And we we might find a place where we might be able to do some work together. Actually, whether she can use my tech or uh, you know she doesn't do stuff upstream of bidding. Um, so you know, up, you know capture and uh, strategy and all that kind of stuff so um, I'm hoping we can work together because I found her to be one of those rare people that's just really quite warm and endearing and just nice to talk to yeah uh, one of those one of those sorts of people you get drawn to I think some of it's because she, she's a nice northerner um, has that <laughs> lovely accent um, but yeah she's just very very bright and interesting so um, I really enjoyed it we, we overran by 50% I think it's meant to be an hour we had an hour and a half I can... wow um, so, I am um, because she's she, her business is primarily I think bid management which is quite interesting because a lot of firms are positioned more around bid writing um, yes. sort of smaller bid consultancies but she's primarily I think bid management and 
training and then brings in writers depending on the subject matter she needs so um yeah uh, 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 a solid business we should get her on the podcast actually hopefully she's i was gonna say that yeah for sure because quite she's... an interesting character and she she's a bit like caroline debenham in that she's proper she's come from the property sector she i think she grew up working at lambert smithampton and a lot of her client base is that are those sorts of property agencies and it's interesting their sort of dna of bidding how it's and their, their sort of personalities in that game's a bit are a bit different they're not they're the polar opposite you find they're not apmp people at all they're, they're quite a different herd within the um discipline and uh, i find that really interesting so we i think we should get it on for sure yeah yeah very much so so i saw on linkedin that your capture training is now live um yes yeah launched on tuesday uh well, well yeah tuesday night wednesday morning and how's it gone so far good feedback yeah not bad yeah i think so um i mean it's early days and i was saying on vicky's call on friday that actually in reality these things are, it's a, a momentum game you need sort of five six seven touch points with people before they buy because it's very sort of b2c in effect when you're selling stuff online but you know particularly with the video of it rather than the, the webinar so so yeah we've it's the first uh, and as it stands i think only uh, capture course for sort of priming people for their uh, apmp capture practitioner uh, exam which i believe is it, it's or is similar to uh, the, the standard practitioner one in in, in how it works um, and so yeah in effect I've, I've brought to life hopefully all of the bits of the body of knowledge so the, the, the coaching I got from Big Rick uh, the, the APMP CEO was uh, as long as I kept it to what's in the um, the body of knowledge we were all good so I, I, I literally is the other way around to how I built my general bid training course the foundation one because that was i built my content first and then i've re-engineered it and included apmp stuff and language was this is the other way around i literally read the entire body of knowledge end to end uh highlighted all of the capture related stuff within it and then i've built a course out of that and then i've added in some of my own stuff as you know quite distinctly as added value as well which is more of the sort of bd stuff but when you actually go through the body of knowledge, there's much more of it that's capture related than you would think when you think through it in the detail. Um, and so the video I'm selling is three hours long, three hours and four minutes. Uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, so we we realised we've had to give it. You, know, you rent it for thirty days because people aren't going to take that in in one hit, or they shouldn't. Um, you know, there's chapters within it. Pause it, go back, and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, because there's a lot of content this subject i was saying on vicky's call on friday there's negotiation for instance is probably obviously the uh, the outcome from capture that you'd want is that you negotiate the piece of business without ever bidding um and you know just get the piece of business with the client so that needed to go in there uh, there's some great content around how to retain business if you're an incumbent and then separately how to unseat an incumbent um, and again, those are activities that happen pre-bid, so that's capture, so that, that had to go in, even though it wasn't distinctly in the sort of capture-related stuff. So, um, yeah, I've, I've had to build something pretty heavy, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to cover there. But I just found the base content, you know, being a capture person, uh, the base content was much stronger than I thought it was going to be, actually. Bearing in mind APMP is about proposals, the next bit, really. 
um, I, I was surprised how good it is um, and learned little bits and bobs actually. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a useful experiment just for other work reasons to be honest. Um, so yeah, the video's out there. We've got a, a webinar coming up in late May uh, where we'll deliver it as a as a four and a half hour uh, training webinar sort of on a Friday morning. And then hopefully we'll go on and, and deliver those, you know, one every couple of months or something throughout the year. Nice. And then, clearly, and then I'll, I'm hoping to be able to deliver it as a live in-person ATO in sort of Q4 onwards. So you'll have the op- three options of video, webinar or classroom. Very good. Very good. Oh, and I should say I'm doing an offer, actually. Uh, I'm, being, <laughs> giving, I'm giving a, a third off of the video for anyone who's on furlough. Um, I had a bit of interaction with a couple of people on Friday who are big people who have been furloughed um, yeah. and their, their, their businesses won't pay for any training or anything either whilst they're sitting at home so um, I, don't, actually, I don't think they can can they? Uh, no they, they can their staff it's interesting actually that the furlough thing's been misunderstood by a lot of businesses I think or their HR functions have taken a really hard line uh, but they can I believe pay check it but they can pay for their staff to do training um, and so it's a bit of a shame so I've, I've, uh, the price of the video is 149 in pounds um, but if you're on furlough I'll do it for 98 quid um, so there's a it's very generous of you that's all right so there's yeah, the, the code I've, I've set it up for 100 people to take advantage of it and uh, the discount code is furlough 33 if people put that in obviously only do it if you're on furlough don't be an arsehole yeah. I, I, I am an SME but um, you know trying to help some people out because the, the timing wise the APMP have discounted the pra- both practitioner level exams I believe so that's partly why is they can get my course cheaply and then go and take the exam for half price I think it is good um, so next episode which um, we are recording on Monday um, although I realise now I haven't put a, di- a slot in your diary for it I was just going to um, say is, uh, so it might not be Monday is uh, Nairi from um, Bidhive in Australia so no, um, I'm, I'm really excited about yeah I'm really excited about this one um, so let, I, I, let's I, hope that when I put the slot in your diary you are actually available um, so um, I hope people enjoy that one listen in um, if you're not already subscribed do do subscribe on your favorite podcast um app or of course download the anchor app where we the uh the master episodes of these are all um published um and we look forward to that one um have a great day and a great weekend jeremy you too mate thank you very much cheers bye catch you later bye